Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's episode, we have Nelia. Nelia is a mother of two children whose births couldn't be any more different. What Nelia says she has learned on this journey is that the only way around trauma is through it, and to be powerful, you do not need to be fearless. I hope you all enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Nelia, welcome to the show. I got it. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. Um, Wherever you would like to begin your story. Sure. So I think I'll start um, with basically my prenatal care in my first pregnancy, um, where I had basically no knowledge of any kind of prenatal care. I just went to the doctor and um, I was really not an active participant in the care. It was basically prenatal care that was like happening to me. Um, And I didn't really know there was a different way. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was basically the first one of my friends to have a baby. Um, And I, yeah, it was, I just had no idea. And I live in Colorado and my whole family lives um, in Massachusetts. So I didn't have a lot of family around to kind of be a support system for me. So basically just me and my partner. Um, And yeah, so I just kind of like never asked questions, but there was always this little voice in my head that was like, it can be different than this. This isn't right for you. Um, and I just kept kind of pushing that voice to the side. Um, and I remember at one point I got, I was getting blood drawn for, you know, however many times you get blood drawn in a traditional. And I mean, traditional as like America, modern America, prenatal care, um, since I, was getting my blood drawn and then she was like yeah we got your results back they were all good and I was like what were the results even for (laughs) I like had no idea and she was like oh yeah that we were doing genetic testing and all this stuff and I was like you know I didn't even want that like I what would I do with that information really that Mm -hmm. would change anything I personally I have no problem with abortions but I personally wouldn't abort my baby so I was just like it was just crazy to me. Like at that point I was like, Oh, um, wow. I'm really just here, like going through the motions. I'm not taking any responsibility for this birth. Um, and I don't know how I thought (laughs) that I was going to have this beautiful, natural, unmedicated hospital birth. Um, I was just really naive. I think, um, when I wasn't really doing any of doing any of the hard work that would get me that birth that I really wanted. Um, And then it wasn't even till the end of my first pregnancy that I even like kind of started looking into home birth. Mm. And I was like, well, it's too late now. And, you know, home birth, I'm just not a home birth person. Like there's a certain type of person that's a home birth person. I'm not that person type of thing. Mm. And like looking back in retrospect, it's just so crazy to me. But um, yeah, basically, I really wanted a natural unmedicated birth. I took the natural birth class that the hospital offered um, with the doula that's hired by the hospital, and all these things. And um, so basically, I went into labor at like, oh, even before that, I guess at like my 39 week appointment, they scheduled me for an induction. They were like, if you don't have your baby by 40 weeks, we're going to schedule you for your induction at 40 weeks and four days. And that's when I started to really like, everything started to kind of like 
manifest in my mind. I was like, this is like just so bad. I don't, first of all, I don't want to be induced. Second of all, like, this is just all like it's happening. I'm 39 weeks pregnant and I feel so unprepared and all this stuff, but I was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I'll advocate for myself. Um, but so basically I went into labor. Um, I went to the hospital I was three centimeters or what is something like that. And, um, yeah, so I was there and I was like, I really want, I didn't even have a birth plan or anything. I was like, I just know I want an unmedicated birth. I want to try. And, you know, if I have to get medication, that's fine, but I really want to try for an unmedicated birth. And I could tell from the second I walked in, that was not going to happen. Um, right when I walked in, I said, I didn't want a cervical exam. And she said, we can't admit you without a cervical exam. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So that already kind of threw me off my rhythm. And then, um, it was the middle of the night and she's like, well, if you're going to want an epidural, you have to get it now because the doc, the anesthesiologist is over an hour away and, you know, they're not going to be here. If you just like, if you decide now, they're not going to be here for over an hour. So you need to like decide now and all this stuff. And I was like, fine. You know, she kept coming in and saying that like, it's going to be over an hour if you want the epidural. So eventually I was like, fine, give me the, ep- I want the epidural then. I don't want to be stuck and I don't have an epidural and I really want it or you know, that's kind of how they framed it. And then, um, basically I, I got the epidural, uh, I took a nap. I woke up, it was a totally different nurse and she's like, you're 10 centimeters time to start pushing. Um, and she, it was like very coached purple face co- pushing. And, um, it was pretty like, it, it was hours. I was starting to get tired. Um, I was like two hours in and she's like, well, the doctor who's on call right now is really great at interventions. And I was like, do I need that? Like, is something wrong? Is something wrong with the baby? And she was like, well, no, but you know, it seems like you're getting tired. And I was like, well, I'm fine. As long as there's nothing wrong, I'm fine. And um, so basically after, so she did bring the doctor in at one point and he was like, no, you're good. You can keep pushing and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, and then after another hour, um, so it was like three hours of pushing. Um, she was like, I'm going to go get the doctor. She like ran out of the room and came back in with the doctor. Um, and then there was also like, all of a sudden there was like six other nurses in the room. There was the pediatric nurse was there there was a student standing like over my vagina taking notes Mm. and I was like what is going on like what is something wrong and like no one would tell me anything and then basically he was like uh we're gonna get your baby out on the next contraction and I was like "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa like what's happening like can I not just push like on my own what's going on and he was like well I'm gonna make a small incision and then you'll feel some pressure and I was like no, like, I don't want that. So I kind of started screaming. No, I tried to close my legs. The nurse like was like, well, if you kick me, I can't help you and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not trying to kick you. I'm just trying to close my legs because I don't want this guy with the scalpel at my vagina. And and I had no, like, this wasn't my doctor. I had no idea who this person was. He was a total stranger to me. Um, So basically I'm screaming, crying, no. And um, I kind of looked up and my partner, he was like, I, I, his face like told it all. I was like, what is going on? He was like crying. I'd never really seen him cry like that before. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden I just felt like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And they just like plopped my daughter on my chest. Um, so basically he had done the episiotomy and used the vacuum and pulled my daughter out. Um, and it was just pretty, like, I was just like numb. I was like, what is like, is that what that, is that birth? Is that what that is? Like, is that how everyone gives birth? Um, like immediately those were the questions running through my mind. And I was just like, so uh, numb is the only word that really comes to mind because I was just not present. I was like, what and then they immediately took my daughter away and and like we're doing all the tests on her and all that stuff and um sorry um basically I um just was like in shock and um I didn't even like 
I, they took my daughter away and it wasn't even in my head to like be like wait can I have my daughter um it was just all so fast and like crazy and then I didn't see my daughter again for like an hour and I, I remember them taking my placenta out too and I was like wait can I see my placenta at least before you take it away yeah. um so they brought it to me and let me look at it for a little bit and then um I was just like so sad immediately and oh and even right after it all happened um he was stitching me up and I was shaking because I had just had a baby and um he was like if you don't stay still we're gonna have to take you to the operating room um and I was like well god I don't want to be taken to the operating room so I guess I have to stay still and just like all these crazy things like in retrospect I'm like it's just like straight up abuse Mm -hmm. and um Anyway, so afterwards, I found out I had a third degree tear, which like I had to Google that. No one ever told me what that was. Um, And I mean, I had so much trauma, like bags and bags and bags of trauma (laughs) to unload. Um, And I went home and, you know, I was just like trying to unpack the whole thing, really, like what had just happened to me. Um, And. I was in a lot of physical pain because I had had the third degree tear and, you know, I just had a newborn. Anyone who has a newborn knows what it's like. It's like, you don't really have much time to be like sitting and thinking you're like taking care of a newborn. You're thrown into this new life with very little support. And then I remember it was when my family came to visit and that's really when I was like my sister's a nurse practitioner and I was kind of telling her what happened. And she's like, did you get the medical records? And I was like, no. And she was like, you should get the medical records and see what happened. Um, and basically I found out there was, they put in my chart that um, I had requested the vacuum extraction, which I didn't even know what that was. So I couldn't have requested that. And that um, they did it for patient exhaustion, um, which I had told the nurse multiple times. I wasn't tired. I didn't want that. And even in the moment I was screaming, no, I mean, regardless of anything else, um, but yeah, so that's when basically my story started to take a kind of a dark turn. I was like, it, I could have maybe lived with it if I had known it was to save my daughter's life, but it wasn't. Um, basically, they were in a hurry. And so that's when I was like, oh, I guess I should see if I reported a you know, reported it to the hospital, but nothing ever comes of those things. Um, and then I started to go through the motions. I'm like, well, maybe I should see a pelvic floor specialist. Maybe I should see a counselor um, and kind of do the things that I was like, quote unquote, supposed to be doing to heal myself. Um, I even took a doula training because I was like, well, maybe if I can help other women, that'll, you know, help heal me. And surprise, it, it doesn't. <laughs> um you know, I think in order to walk with other women on their journey, you need to really do your own inner work. And I just wasn't doing that. Um, and then at 14 months, my daughter was 14 months old. I found out that I was pregnant again <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, cause I had known that I wanted more kids. Um, but I wanted to wait a while, you know, I wanted to try and heal. And, but looking back at I think it was for the best because it really forced me to um, do the real work. Like when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, this is when the real work has to begin because, you know, I have not worked through any of this trauma (laughs) and um, I'm about to have another baby. And I know I don't want that experience again. Um, I want an autonomous birth. I want a powerful birth. I want this to be my story. I want to be an active participant in my care I don't want you know my care to just be happening like I basically had a list of things that I knew I wanted for this birth um but yeah so that's when the nitty-gritty I would say started getting going like I had to take take a do some serious introspection um but yeah I had to really look within myself (laughs) when I found out I was pregnant again and um I knew kind of the only way around my trauma was through it. I was like, I just have to work through this. Um, And the way I really worked through it was tapping into that voice that I had ignored my whole first pregnancy. Um, The one that kept telling me that everything was not right, that, you know, stop listening to these doctors, stop doing what they're telling you to do just because it's, you know, quote unquote, what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Stop being a quote unquote good patient, like, 
this is your body and your pregnancy and your baby. And you need to take control of that and take responsibility for that. Um, and that's really what I did. So like, um, I found a home birth midwife. I was like, I have to find a home birth midwife. I have to, I I, I can't go back to the hospital. And so where I live in the mountains, um, you know, the closest hospital that I would go to is like an hour away. And then to go to Denver is like two hours away. Um, And so I really had to look for a home birth midwife and the home birth midwife that works typically works in my area was not working at that time. Um, So (laughs) that was hard. Um, So eventually I found it, it, I always think it's like fate. So I talked to this midwife who is like, you know, the second closest one. And she was like, there's this new midwife who just moved to your area. Um, I think maybe that would be a good fit for you. And it was like, I, as soon as I met her, I was like, this is great. She was like, I could tell she wasn't going to try and like control anything. You know, she was there to kind of walk with me and, you know, be wisdom when I needed it. But like, basically she encouraged me to like do my own research and all that. Um, But anyway, I, I, you know, things kept popping up and I was like, you know what? I, at first I thought I had to be kind of like fearless. And then I realized that you don't have to be fearless. You need to just be able to like be in touch with yourself and your own intuition and tap into those fears and, um, you know, find out where they're stemming from. And and once you find out where they're stemming from, a lot of times it, it can be like mold over. Like a lot of it was honestly death that I was afraid of. I was like, what if I die or my baby dies or all these things that everyone tells you, like even people in my family were like, well, what if something happens? And I'm like, I mean, I feel like the worst already happened to me at the hospital. I think like, I just knew in my gut too, like I really tapped into my intuition and it was like, this just feels right. This feels like the path I'm supposed to be on. Um, But yeah, I just was making sure I was making all these decisions out of love and not out of fear. So every time something popped up, I would have to kind of take a step back and be like, you know, am I making this decision to birth at home out of fear of the hospital? And then I would kind of take a step back and be like, no, I think it's because I love myself and I love my baby and I want what's safest and what's best for us. And that is at home. Um, Yeah. So I knew I basically had to take my power back. (laughs) Um, So I got the home birth midwife. I kind of started planning everything and, and things seemed to just keep kind of popping up, but I knew, you know, I didn't want any testing this time around. Um, I didn't want any blood testing or any of that. I, I didn't want any ultrasounds. Um, and my mom was actually the one who kind of led me on that path because she was like, what would you do with the information from an ultrasound? What would you do with that basically? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? what would I do with that besides worry? What would I do with that besides stress? Um, And then I really started researching ultrasounds and I was like, you know, they're just not for me. Um, I don't think I need that in my pregnancy. (laughs) Um, But she was basically telling me that for my brother and my sister, my older brother and my sister, they weren't doing routine ultrasounds at that time. So she didn't have any. And then when she got pregnant with me, they were like, oh, you have to have an ultrasound. And she was like, I don't want an ultrasound. So she found a midwife who would support that for her. And I was like, she kind of was like an example for me. I was like, I don't need an ultrasound. I don't need to do the blood tests. You know, what would I exactly, what would I do with that information? Mm-hmm. Um, if something was to be like, you know, not like predicted to be not great. Um, what would I do with that? And I was like, I would rather just kind of tap into my own intuition and, you know, instead of relying on all these tests and relying on a doctor to tell me I'm okay. I was like, I want, I know I'm okay. I feel healthy. I'm taking care of myself. If something feels wrong, I'll reach out at that time, but nothing felt wrong. Um, and yeah, my midwife totally respected that. She was on the same page as that from the beginning. I, you know, she knew the trauma I had from my first birth and my first pregnancy. Um, so yeah, she was great. Like, 
I really cannot say enough great things because I, I hear horror stories about midwives and I'm like this I did not have that experience she was like totally on board with me from like from the get-go um she never told me oh you're you have to do this at this appointment or you should do this at this appointment she just told me this is an option you can research it um and if you want it we can go forward with it if you don't we don't have to do it you know all that like it was really what I needed um, at that time. And she was such a great source of wisdom. Like she's been a midwife for 20 years. So it was like, whenever I had a fear or a doubt, I could talk to her about that. And I never felt like she was judging me or like, she was going to be like, well, maybe you should get the ultrasound. Then it'll put you a peace of mind. Like nothing like that. Um, never any condescension. Um, but so anyway, my pregnancy goes along and at one point I found out, so Colorado has sort of strict midwifery laws for certified midwives. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that will risk you out of midwifery care. Mm-hmm. Um, so at one point my fasting levels for my blood sugar were high mm-hmm. and I, there were all these points that my trauma kept resurfacing. And I was like, I have not worked through this trauma. It keeps resurfacing. So yeah, my fasting blood sugars were high. Um, and I almost didn't take that test, but just because of risk factors, I decided just to see where I was at. And, you know, I'm kind of glad I did, but at the same time it was like, well, then I would risk out of midwifery care. And then I would have to birth in the hospital. It was just that spiral, like, you know, cascade of thoughts that would run through my head that I was like, I am, you know, not taking full responsibility of this birth yet. I am still in my trauma. I'm still living in that trauma. Um, And then I think it was at that point that I really had to take a hard look at myself and see that in the first pregnancy and the first birth, I, how I had played basically an active part in creating that traumatic event by not taking any responsibility and, you know, not being an active participant in my care and never questioning anything, even when my intuition told me otherwise, um, you know, it was like, that was the really hard thing to see. And then once I realized that things started to get a little bit easier for me, (laughs) but I constantly had these thoughts of, oh gosh, what if I have to give birth in the hospital? What if I get transferred to the hospital? What if all these things happen? Just like constant um, thoughts like that. And I was like, it was the, the high fasting blood sugars <laughs> that really, uh, you know, got me thinking about that. And I was like, you know what? I can take my own responsibility for this birth. I know I'm healthy. I know my baby's healthy. I don't think because I have a high fasting blood sugar, I should give birth in the hospital. Um, but we did work on that and I cut my fasting blood sugars down um, and all that. But, you know, that was just kind of a point where I was like, oh gosh, if I lose my midwife, what am I going to do? And it was like, I was still kind of giving my power to someone else, like to the system basically, because I was like, the system tells me if I have high fasting blood sugars, then I'd have to birth in a hospital mm-hmm. and it's not safe for me to birth at home. And I just knew in my body and in my mind that that was not true. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm, I can just see this birth in my mind and I see that it's going to be at home and it's going to be peaceful and it's going to be healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so then, you know, that was, a really hard time for me looking at how I was an active participant in my trauma. (laughs) Um, But it really helped me to start healing and be like, you know, this, this is you, this is your body, your birth, and you need to take responsibility for it. Um, And then at another point, at about 30 weeks, um, I had a feeling (laughs) that my baby was breached and, um, my midwife confirmed that by doing palpitations. Um, and I was like, I, I mean, I had already known. I was like, I can feel where the baby's kicking. I, I know. And I know what a head down baby feels like because my first baby was head down from like 20 weeks, 28 weeks on. Um, and it just felt different. I could feel, you know, kicking at the bottom of my stomach. So I knew that. And I knew that breech birth would also risk me out of midwifery care. Um, so I kind of started freaking out but she was like well you're only 30 weeks you know don't worry about it baby split all this stuff and but 
I had known that my sister had a breech baby and they basically gave her no options. She had a cesarean um, and then she had to have a cesarean for her subsequent birth because of that. So that was just in the back of my mind, even though I knew that wasn't me and that's not going to happen to me. Um, but I was just thinking, I started, you know, 34 weeks, baby still breached, 36 weeks, baby still breached. I'm like, oh gosh, like, and I could feel it, but I, I just knew in my head that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I was like, there, I don't like, if that does happen, I'll deal with that. But in my body and in my intuition, I knew that my baby was coming out head down. I had had two dreams about it. And one of the dreams, I was having a dream that I was touching my baby's head as they were merging into the world. And I actually woke up and I was touching my daughter's, my two-year-old daughter's head. <laughs> um, so I was like, I just know that this baby's not going to be breached, but I was still like, looking I was like I gotta do everything to get this baby head down like I gotta go to I was going to acupuncture I went to the chiropractor I was doing all the things the moxibustion all that and I was like then at one point I was just like you know what if I know my baby's not going to come out breach but if they want to I'm okay with that and I don't want to fight that I want to let them come out how they want to come out and you know, it was kind of the same thing with the high fasting blood sugars where all this trauma kind of resurfaced because I was just thinking about how am I going to have a vaginal breech birth in a hospital? I'm going to have to fight tooth and nail for it. And all my trauma was coming back up. And I was like, you know what, where do I feel safest? Where, where do I feel safest bringing my baby into this world, even if they are breech? Um, and that was at home that was going to be at home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, even if my midwife can't support me through that, that was when I had to kind of start looking into unassisted because I was like, hospital honestly, isn't really an option for me unless it's an imminent emergency in that moment. Um, hospital just wasn't an option for me. I know it's an option for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, especially for something that I knew was a variation of normal and wasn't an emergency. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, I am just going to, I took a, I ordered a breach course for me and my partner. And he was like, at that point too, because I felt like we had been kind of distant. He just didn't, he had his own trauma for my first birth. Um, and I felt like we had been pretty distant almost through the, we were both working a lot and, um, you know, we weren't really like talking about the reality of having another baby after such a traumatic birth that affected both of us. Um, and it was at that time when my baby was breached that he was like, we can do this. We got this. I know like that you are such a strong person and you have done your research. Um, and I like, I will support you if you want to do unassisted without the midwife. And it was really at that time that I think most of my trauma started to melt away because that was when I took the full responsibility. I took, you know, I started doing all my own research and, and just knowing like, even if I risk out of midwifery care, that I got this, <laughs> um, that I know that my home is like where I feel safest and where my baby is going to be born into a safe environment. And I don't want to risk going to the hospital unless it's an imminent emergency. Um, so yeah, that was, and we really, I felt like connected after that. And that's also when I stopped working. So I had a lot more time to like, you know, nourish our relationship and hang out with my daughter. So my kids are only 21 or 22 months apart. Um, but yeah, so like she was still pretty young. Um, and she had kind of weaned off the breastfeeding for a little bit. And then once I stopped working, she <laughs> hopped right back on. Um, and it was really, it made me so happy because I was so sad when she like, I basically had dried up during my pregnancy. So it was kind of a sad morning time, but I felt like I was just so busy with like trying to prepare for this birth and work and, you know, finding childcare and all that stuff that I wasn't even allowed to like mourn for that time. And plus, you know, society tells you like, oh, they're, they're past one, they're fine. But you know, it's such an emotional thing when you're in that moment. It's like, is my daughter done breastfeeding? And I didn't even like have a second to process it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but she did hop back on <laughs> and that made me really happy. Um, so yeah, I was able to just relish. I, I felt like that breech baby scare was like, if you can even call it that, cause there's nothing wrong with babies being born breech. Um, but it would just have risked me out of midwifery care. But you know, that really like melted away a lot of like the facade I had. Cause I broke down emotionally. Like I probably cried every day for like two weeks straight that I was going to have to think about, you know, birthing in a hospital and fighting tooth and bail to have a vaginal birth and all these things. And I remember I was texting my midwife and she called me and she was like, listen, you're like, she basically talked to me kind of off a cliff too. She was like, babies are born breech. Like that's okay. And your baby, like, you don't even know your baby's going to be born breech yet. Like you don't know. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. She basically just like kind of told me things I already knew, which is like, you have so much knowledge and so much power. And like, you know, I had basically been studying birth from the moment I had my last daughter until that time. So it's like, I know all these things. I read every book. I've listened to every podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so then my baby flipped (laughs) by 37 (laughs) weeks. My baby was flipped. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it was like, I felt like it was really what I needed. It was like, Oh, like, that scare really brought up I was like I have not worked through all this trauma I thought I had I'm like walking around so confident I'm gonna have this great home birth and then it's like the second I'm might risk out of midwifery care I lose my mind and it was like yeah you haven't really worked through everything have you Neely (laughs) so that was like yeah so my baby flipped um and and I like I knew I they would because I had those two very vivid dreams about it um but yeah, so then it was like the last few weeks of my pregnancy were just so magical. And I felt like I'd been holding like after the birth of my first daughter, because it was so traumatic, I had really held on to like my maidenhood. Um, like there was so many parts of myself that I had not let go <laughs> for whatever reason, I think, because I just wanted to block out the memory of the birth almost. It was like, but towards the end of this pregnancy, I was like really surrendering to motherhood. I was like, I, you know, this is the season of life I'm in and I need to surrender to that. And I just basically envisioned the birth um, I was going to have. I just sat with myself and like thought about, I remember my midwife was like, why don't you sit down and just think about exactly what you want your birth to look like. And just that, something so simple as that, like really helped me. I was just like, yeah, why have I not even thought about that yet? I'm think researching all these things that can go wrong. I haven't even thought about what I actually want, what I want to go right. Um, so I really sat down and like thought about um, what I wanted my birth to look like, like every detail, how I want my baby to come into this world and, you know, all these things. I'm like, who I want to catch my baby, what I want the smells to be, what I want the sounds to be just like every little thing, how I'm going to, you know, what position I'll be in, all those things. And um, that really started to help because I was like, I just picture like so peaceful with my family. Um, You know, I picture seeing my baby's face for the first time and all the things that are just going to be so beautiful and magical in that moment. And I just kind of sat with my intuition and I was like, it feels to me like everything is just going to go so smoothly um, but of course in that time, you're like, what if something doesn't, <laughs> but I was just like, no, it really feels like everything is just falling together. It was like, I don't know. So then the next thing I was worried about was, was my midwife going to make it to my birth? And, um, of course she did it. <laughs> so I, the morning of my birth, um, I basically woke up at 8 a.m., and I had some, I had lost my mucus plug um, and I had been having Brex and Hicks contractions since like 20 weeks pregnant. So mm-hmm. that was nothing new. Um, and yeah, I had already lost my mucus plug. I woke up at like 8 a.m. and I was like, oh, and I told my midwife, I was like, I think I'm going to have my baby at the end of this week. Um, and she's like, yeah like every woman thinks they're gonna have their baby early and then they have them at like 41 weeks but I was like I don't know it just really feels like that this time like they're gonna 
I don't know. I'm not going to make it till my due date, basically. And sure enough, Thursday, the end of the week, I wake up and I'm having some light contractions, but they were definitely not Braxton Hicks. Um, and I went to the bathroom and I had my bloody show. And I was like, yep, today is the day. But I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, this is probably going to be like tonight. I'll have the baby or, you know, this afternoon. Um, so I texted my midwife and let her know she's two hours away. Um, so I was like, I'll just let her know, you know, to keep her eye on her phone that today's probably going to be the day. So I basically like started kind of getting everything set up. We like put the plastic sheets on the bed and all that. I didn't have a water. Um, I wasn't planning to have a water birth, so we didn't have a pool or anything. And then yeah, I was like, why don't you go get some postpartum foods for me? And then it kind of picked up around 10 o'clock. I was like, Oof, all right, like I need to kind of sit and focus for a second, maybe lay down. And I had my partner take my daughter out. Um, I was like, just take her out for a few hours and hopefully, you know, the babysitter will, the babysitter was supposed to come at 1230-ish to pick her up. Um, so then... I like got into the bathtub and my contractions basic almost like stopped. I was like, Oh, maybe I really jumped the gun on this. Uh, maybe the baby's not coming today. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. And I, then I was like in there and then I had a pretty strong contraction. So, and then I had another pretty strong contraction. I was like, maybe I should text my uh, partner to come home. So I texted him and I was like, maybe you should start heading home. This was at like 11 ish. Um, and then I was like, maybe I should get out and like walk around and like try and get this going a little bit. Like I definitely stalled my labor and all this. And then <laughs> I feel like it's like the tell that like every story you hear, I was like, I think I have to poop. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, and I knew that in my head, like I had, you know, I had had doula clients before and all that. And I'm like, Oh, maybe this means I'm pushing and I was like no I can't be pushing I didn't even go through transition and I was like no I don't know so my partner gets home but I definitely felt pushy um but I stuck my hand inside of myself and I was like no I don't feel anything yet and my contractions aren't getting closer together maybe I really do just have to go to the bathroom <laughs> um so I was like oh uh he was like should I call the midwife yet and I was like no not yet we'll just wait and then I was like, I think I should get out of the bathtub. So this was probably at like 1130-ish. Uh, I don't even like know the time frame because I did not have a clock and my partner also wasn't looking at the clock. <laughs> but um, I guess I started to get out of the bathtub and right when I was about to get out, I was like, nope. Like, oh my gosh, no. Like the urge to push was just so intense. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like... Whew, okay, like this, maybe I'm just, my contractions are getting closer together. Like I can't be pushing yet. Like there's no way. And so I really tried to focus on like, there, I had a candle lit and I could kind of hear like the, like the flicker. And I just really like focused in on that for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so then every urge to push, it was just like, a, like I just kind of groaned it out. Mm -hmm. Um it was so funny. My daughter was in the other room, like watching TV and every noise I make, she would mimic the noise from the other room. <laughs> so I would be like, like big grunt. And then she would be like, mama. <laughs> and then it was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like laughing right now. And then I stuck my hand inside of myself and the head was like right there. I was like, oh my gosh, wait, call the midwife. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but she's definitely not going to make it. <laughs> and so he calls her and she was like, put her on speakerphone. Let me listen to her. Cause he like had no idea where I was at. He thought I was, you know, hours away from having the baby still. Um, and she's like, Oh, she's pushing. I'm probably not going to make it. <laughs> um, she was like, so do you like, remember the emergency childbirth or whatever? And my partner was like, yeah, but you'll be here. And then he was like, can I turn the lights on? And I was like, don't you 
dare turn those lights on. <laughs> I was like, cause I was just so focused into that candlelight for some reason. I was like, I just really like that candlelight. And I like the sound the candles making. <laughs> it was just, I was like the thought of a bright light turning on was just so crazy to me. But so I thought I was like, Oh, if I knew my midwife wasn't going to make it, I thought I would freak out. But for some reason I was like happy. Honestly, I was like, I'm just doing this by myself. And it feels so like right. Um, because I was originally even supposed to have a doula at my birth and I decided in the weeks coming to my birth that I didn't want anyone really there. I was like, I want my partner and my midwife and that's it. I like, don't want anyone around me. I just want to labor. I was just feeling so called to labor alone. And then that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, so I (laughs) was like, Oh, head is coming. And then, um, I told my partner that, and he was like, can I turn the lights on? He asked like three times to turn the lights on. I still make fun of him for it. (laughs) Like, remember when you asked to turn the lights on? Um, I was like, don't turn those lights on. And so I like reached down and I could feel the baby crowning. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And it's so crazy how your body like listens to you. Um, It kind of like pulled back a little bit for a second. And then it gave me a second to really breathe and breathe the baby's head out instead of like, you know, to kind of get it together <laughs> to be like, this is happening. There's nothing I can do. I have to have this baby. And, and I'm not even in any pain or any, like, I just felt so like euphoric. Um, so yeah, I felt the be- the head um, and then the head was out. And at that point I had still had never had an ultrasound. So I was like, maybe my baby is breached. And I just like reached down and felt the baby's face. And it was like, I still think about it every day, that moment of feeling my baby's face. <laughs> and I was like, he's head down. Mm-hmm. I can feel the head. Um, and I was like telling my partner, I was like, the head's out. Do you want to like come feel it? Cause I had like this moment of such clarity in between the birth of the head and the birth of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, Oh my gosh, like, do you want to come feel the head? And like the head's out. And he was like, oh my gosh, like the midwife's not here. (laughs) And I was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Like just come feel your baby. And he was just like kind of freaking out in this moment. (laughs) But I was just like, not even letting that affect me at all. I was just in such a moment of like, like that moment between the head and the body being born is like the most magical moment of my life. It was like, I was kind of having an out of body experience, but it was also so clear and like, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, and then I was like, oh, here comes the body. And I, I birthed the body and I caught my own baby. I was kind of like on my knees in the bathtub. I was also in like six inches of lukewarm water because I had been in the bath for so long mm-hmm. and I was planning to get out and then I couldn't get out because I was pushing um, that I was like, oh gosh, like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, that water was cold. <laughs> um, it's like yeah it was like lukewarm at best and it was like had drained so much but I was like I know I need to have the baby in the water and then pull them out not have the you know not go in and out of the water so I was like it's so crazy because it's like you're in such a euphoric state like it's like psychedelic but you're also having like clear thoughts about like well I need to make sure I have my baby in the water and not have my baby in the air and then go back into the water you know things like that where it's like my technical mind was still like make sure you do this, make sure like you do, like make sure they're, you know what I mean? It's it's crazy Mm -hmm. that you're still so clear. Um, So I had the baby and I pulled him out and I was like, look down and he he was just looking at me like blinking from underneath the water. And I was just like laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, I just baby in my bathtub like (laughs) ah and I just lifted him out of the water and then that's when my partner came in and was like is it a boy or a girl is it a boy or a girl I was like oh I didn't even look it's a boy (laughs) so I was like and we had been kind of wanting a boy because we had a girl for the first baby and I was like I had a bunch of feelings that it was going to be a boy um and it was (laughs) and so he was happy about that (laughs) and I was just like oh my gosh like I just had this baby and then my daughter came in and she was like, mom, baby, mom, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's your baby brother. And she was just like, her mind was blown. She was like, why, why is there a baby in my bathroom? <laughs> um, 
And then she like came up to the water and my placenta basically released like, like I didn't have placenta yet, but like I had a big gush of blood. So the water was really bloody and she like came up and was like, my baby and she was like splashing playing in the water and I was like no 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 take her out so then it was like it was just so such a magical like I was so high from it like my hormones was been through the roof I was like oh my gosh so then I'm like well I want to get out of this water because it's cold and I don't want the baby to be cold and I'm cold and I've been ready to get out of this water for like over an hour now so I'm like, but can you, the, my cord was pretty short. So I uh, was like, can you carry the baby? So my, it was like a little train of us. I'm like hobbling to my bed. My partner's carrying, like hunched over carrying the baby so he doesn't pull the cord. And then my daughter's like following us. <laughs> and um, right as I was like about to get into the bed, he's like, do you want to try and have your placenta first? And I was like, no, it doesn't feel like it's like coming yet. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit. I'll just get into the bed because I'm so cold and like right as I was about to get in the bed I was like my placenta just like fell out (laughs) and my daughter was like mom you pooed (laughs) and I was like like, no it's my placenta and my it was so funny too because we had everything like the whole bed was like you know covered had the plastic sheet underneath the other sheet and all this stuff and he was like you couldn't have waited one more second so you didn't get it on the carpet (laughs) like I didn't know it was coming it came so it came like five minutes after he was born and I didn't even do anything it just like came out um and because also what happened in the hospital was like you know they cut the cord they give me a shot of pitocin then they like rip out the placenta from you so like I had no idea what a placenta birth even felt like or was supposed to be like Mm -hmm. so I had no idea so like that was just caught me so off guard um so it fell on the carpet in our rental (laughs) um but yeah it was just like then we just kind of all got in bed together and oh my gosh it was just like the most magical moment of my life like in the bed with my baby who's attached to his placenta and my daughter and my partner and no one else was there it was just us Mm. and it was like you know, my baby's like breathing and, you know, he didn't even really ever cry. He like cried for a second. And then he just looked at me and was like, you're my mom. Like, you just did this. You just birthed me. We did this together. Like, that's what the vibe I felt from him. <laughs> like, we just did this together. We're a team. And I was like, it was, I didn't cry for like a couple hours till I like really processed it. But I was like, that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just made me realize a lot of things. Like I actually did want my daughter there. I'm glad. So I had the baby at one, two, three, four, 12, 34. Mm-hmm. And um, the babysitter came at like 1242 <laughs> to pick up Nori. And I was like, actually, I'm really glad that she was there. Like, I didn't know I wanted her there, but I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing was, I didn't know how important it was to me to catch my own baby. Um, cause my midwife had kind of asked like, who do you want to catch the baby? And I was like, Oh, you know, you can catch it or my partner, whatever, whatever's convenient basically. And I realized like, I will never let another person catch my baby ever again. <laughs> like the thought of a gloved stranger being the first person to touch your baby is so like, I can't believe that that happens every day in hospitals. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is just so bizarre to me. Like you should be, you or your partner should be the first person to touch your baby. Um, you know, unless of course there's some circumstance happening. Um, but yeah, it was just like, that was so wild. And I, afterwards I was literally like, that was so easy. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't believe how complicated they made it with my first birth. And then it was like, I had all this trauma. Like I could have just been at home in my bathtub. Like, why do we complicate it like that you know I know there's obviously emergency situations but Mm -hmm, it was just for me I was like yeah I was like oh my gosh like that's what it's supposed to be like that's what people talk about when they talk about the beauty of birth and I was I I kind of was like almost angry too right after because I was like people are robbed of this every day like Mm -hmm. women are robbed of this experience because we're told that we have to do it the certain way. Otherwise we're endangering our baby or, you know, all these things. And we go to the hospital where it's like not ideal setup for a birth. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, I was like almost angry right after. I was like, this is like, I can't believe they take this away from women every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it was just so normal. It's just like a normal day in my house. Like my daughter was there, we ate breakfast together, you know, and then we all like hung out in bed together after I had him. And it was just so beautiful. So yeah, so it was like a four and a half hour accidental unassisted birth and it was so perfect and so smooth and everyone was healthy and happy (laughs) it was like the most healing moment of my life that I was like I worked hard like I mean people shouldn't have to work hard for that but like in our society I feel like you do um and I really worked hard to get to that where I to have that birth basically and have that healing experience and I was just so proud of myself like I feel like they take that away in the hospital too. They're like, I delivered your baby. And it's like, no, I birthed my baby. You didn't do anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in that moment, I really did birth my baby. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was like just a full autonomous, accidental, unassisted, powerful, healing, beautiful birth. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was great. Oh. Amelia, thank you so much. And I think much. that's. Oh, yeah. Oh, you ha- did you have more? Or, or no, no, no. I was just going to say it, it basically has. No, it just has propelled. Like, I think now I can actually be a better doula, um, you know, now that I understand physiological birth, too. Mm-hmm. And because I've been there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just has propelled my life on a totally different trajectory. Oh, that's awesome. And yes, I. Yeah, I, I I agree with you um, with the uh, with the doula thing. Um, actually, you had said before um, about um, going to uh, going to births and how um, you like how you kind of expected it to maybe heal your trauma. And I, you know, I definitely I was in the I was kind of in the same boat. And I don't think mm-hmm. that I um, actually when my um, cause, when I'm when my trauma was finally healed was when I actually then started the door open for me to attend birth so I definitely you know, felt that exactly totally because then you can actually authentically like walk with women absolutely there's no ulterior motive there <laughs> yes exactly and then you're not also bringing in your stuff into into their into their space and into their birth well. exactly yeah totally well, thank you so much and for um, allowing me to hold space for you and for, um, and for thank you story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and is there any parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our, uh, our listeners with? Um, I would definitely like to say that the only way around trauma is through it. You know, there's no easy way around it. You really have to just go through it and that after a traumatic birth, there is hope for healing. You don't have to live in that trauma. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Totally agree. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.